This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Mm. Oh my God, it's horrible. Welcome. <laughs> horrible. Welcome to Stanley, Let Your Voice Be Heard. Where Stanley does not have bars. Whoa, I just barred that up, beloved. No, you didn't. That yes, was hard. Stanley, you know everything what? you, you know just what? said didn't make sense. You know what? What? After I spent my weekend in Vegas praising the Lord, things like what you just said do not bother me anymore. Stanley is back from his missionary trip from Vegas. Welcome to the show, guys. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. The Voice of Harlem, where Stanley makes up fantasies and whatever else comes out of his mouth after getting drunk and being hung over this Sunday morning. <laughs> Regardless of the fact, happy to drunk. be here. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Welcome to the show. My name is Selena Hill, and on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Miss Selena Hill, and Miss is always spelled with an M-S. FYI, guys, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard, where we talk about politics, social issues, and foreign policy from a diverse millennial perspective. So. Morning. Oh, Oh, there we go. I'm I'm on. I can hear myself now. I had your mic off for a little bit, not because I was hating, but because you were trying to mute me out. I was trying to mute you, beloved. Yeah. Did you miss me? I missed you. I missed you. I feel like I haven't been here since 2017. I mean, (laughs) are you making fun of Selena with that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't even get it. Because you made so many jokes about this is the first show this year. (laughs) Um, I miss you too. Thank you. Thank you. You know, the first um, weekend in February, I spent the praising the Lord in Las Vegas, Nevada. Amen. Um, amen. <laughs> um, so you and by the Lord, he really meant a bottle of vodka. Listen, listen. Stanley- no weapon formed against me shall prosper. <laughs> right. Stanley went to Vegas with um, black, Jesus-loving black men. Faithful, Faithful Jesus-loving black men. Whatever. Whatever. However you describe your friends. When the women tried to tell <laughs> us to be adulterous, we said, what's that? I only hang out with my bae. <laughs> Whatever, guys. So Stanley is back, and we're back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. We have a great show lined up today. We're going to be talking about the government's attack on black activism and activists. Um, we've been seeing something like this happen for months now, especially under the Trump administration. And activists are actually being locked up around the country. Um, they're being held. And we're going to talk about why this is happening, how it's happening, and what we can do co- to continue to resist. Um, we also have some news roundup stories we'll be talking about. Um, Trump is refusing to let... Was uh, Richard Pryor a top or a bottom? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get to Quincy Jones, (laughs) Stanley, we're going to talk about the fact that Donald Trump will not release the Democratic memo. But Stanley just made a reference to that uh, like provocative interview that Quincy Jones just did. And I think it was Vulture. And he basically told all about Hollywood, including Richard Pryor's affair with who was it? Who was the actor again? Marlon Brando. Yep. And so, like, why is this a big deal? This is not a big deal at all. Richard Pryor was very open about his sexuality, but his daughter, Rain Pryor, has definitely been um, attacking Quincy Jones for what he said about it. So we'll talk about that in other news stories um, after we come back from this break, guys. And, of course, if you want to let your voice be heard, you can... Call in at 212-650-6903. You can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. You can leave comments on our Facebook page. Shout out to everyone who's already leaving comments. We appreciate you. And our Facebook page is Let Your Voice Be Heard. So, tune in and chime in. We're going on a quick break. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Bow! 
Oh, wait, you wasn't going to go, Selena? What? First of all, I don't... Selena got baby here on party. Cardi, <laughs> hey. Yo, this song is not good. You know that, right? Stanley, this song is lit. Cardi got a party with a hardy. Cardi yeah. with the Molly. Cardi hit the offset Gardy. I don't understand any of that. Cardi with Cardi. You're not Cardi supposed Cardi to. Cardi. You're just no, supposed you to are. You're just supposed to. No. No, you are. It's not a Molly song. Hip-hop is about telling stories. Biggie told stories. Tupac told stories. Even some of the new people have told stories. That is not storytelling. Well, hip hop. Uh, to me. Well, I think there's different aspects of hip hop. I think hip hop has definitely evolved for a new generation. And I think that this generation likes to feel and likes to move. And that's what that so hip hop does. You can does. have that, but you can still be telling a story while you have or that. Well, you don't have to tell stories. I mean, I listen to hip hop that tells stories and then I don't. All right. Hip hop is preference. not supposed to be MDMA. <laughs> I mean, it look, knows. it's. It's on the hot uh, Billboard 100. So Anyways, well, you know who else tells stories? Donald Trump. He tells lots of them all the time, well, and they're mostly lies. Yeah, of course. But before we get to that, Alyssa, did you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, so I'm Alyssa Fuchs. I am your political and legal correspondent. You can find me on Facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs. That's with an I. Or on Twitter, at Alyssa Fuchs, also with an I. Or you can leave a question or a comment on the Politically Preposterous fan page. We're broadcasting this show there live. Hi, everybody. I'm Politically Preposterous. We hope you're tuning in. Um, or you can leave a comment on Let Your Voice Be Heard Radio's Facebook page where we're broadcasting from. Stanley, hey. did you want to continue your intro from? Oh, yeah, the I did do an intro, did I? Well, welcome, beautiful people. My name is Stanley Fritz, and I am here on the PC Ones and Twos. You can find me on Twitter at Stan Fritz. You can find me on Instagram at Stan Fritz, where sometimes I post things like Martin Luther King with the yellow do rag on, or a picture of Elvis as a black man, because, you know, they want to play funny and say that Cleopatra was a white woman that looks like Rachel Dolezal. You can also find me on Snapchat, but I don't use it because Snapchat, Snapchat is trash as of Thursday, so don't look for me there. Stanley, you deleted your Snapchat? Did you get the update? Yeah, I did. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Snapchat deleted itself. Oh, well, speaking of things that are deleted or shouldn't be here or maybe eliminated, as I mentioned right before we went on break, Donald Trump has tweeted, I think it was a few hours ago, that he <laughs> is refusing to release the Democratic memo, which was in response to the Republican memo, um, that Nunes memo that dropped, I think it was last week, about 10 days ago, um, about Russiagate and how the FBI is supposedly um, biased and attacking him because of political bias or whatever so donald trump tweets out and i quote the democrats sent a very political and long response memo which they knew it was 10 pages so long because of sources and methods and more would have to be heavily redacted whereupon they would blame the white house for lack of transparency told them to redo it and send back in proper form so the thing that's really interesting is that the president is saying he uses the word lack of transparency but if you think about it, the fact that he only released the Republican memo about the investigation into Russiagate and is refusing to release the Democratic memo shows that he is being extremely biased and he's not letting the American public make their own decision. Right. No, but it also is like the the FBI raised some of the same concerns about the Republican memo that they raised about the Democratic memo. And Trump just obviously did not seem to care about the FBI's concerns when it came to supposedly this memo 
vindicating him in some way, which as far as I can tell, it didn't. Um, you know, and now he's obviously telling the Democrats to go back and take some stuff out of this memo uh, so that, you know, he can consider releasing it. But it remains to be seen whether or not he's going to release it. And I think it's actually just making him look worse yeah, and absolutely. more partisan. Um, and if there was an issue with like one or two lines in the memo having been confidential or classified, then they could have easily redacted those and still have released the memo without having to send it back to the Judiciary Committee. So I just don't think it helps him. Um, yeah. You know, it just makes him look partisan. Um, but, you know, in other news, Donald Trump, apparently he spent all of yesterday doubting the Me Too movement um, and saying that these accusations against men are ruining their men's lives without due process, which I find to be like crazy ironic, um, considering Donald Trump makes statements all the time that he accuses people of things without any due process. Everything from saying that all Mexicans are rapists to all Muslims are terrorists, um, you know, to even the Central right. Park Five that he literally took out a full page ad in the New York Times back when that was going on, essentially accusing these five young black men of being rapists and murderers when, in fact, they were completely innocent. So, you know, it's like that saying those who live in glass houses really shouldn't throw stones. <clears throat> Donald Trump really shouldn't talk about people yeah. not having due process when he is constantly the one claiming mm. that people have done things and, you know, without yeah. them ever having due process. Or as 50 Cent used to say, you shouldn't throw stones if you live in a glass house and if you got a glass jaw. You better watch, watch your mouth. Because I'll break your face. <laughs> well, it's interesting <laughs> that Donald Trump um, decides to chime in to Me Too um, just days after two White House staffers had to resign because of domestic abuse themselves. And at first, like, when Donald Trump was speaking about it, he kind of seemed like he was supporting it. Like, he was like, oh, we found out that one of the staffers, um, I think it was, like, the deputy director, I forget his exact title, forgive me, but he was like, Donald Trump was saying things along the lines of, oh, it was so sad. He was such a hard worker. Like, he was a great um, contributor to, to the White House and to our staff. And it's like, that's basically... The end, um, I mean, that's basically the side that Donald Trump continues to take when it comes to Me Too. I mean, he has those infamous comments about grabbing women by the vagina. And, I mean, he's horrible. He's disgusting. So what else is there to expect? I mean, we really shouldn't expect anything less. Donald Trump is, uh, you know, a, a woman-hating, uh, <laughs> masochistic patriarchal figure. I mean, it's not just the comments. There are 12 to 15, if not more, women that have come out and accused Donald Trump of sexual assault. Um, and people forget that. And yet people still elected him. And predominantly white women, as Stanley is quick to point out usually. So, you know, it's not surprising that Donald Trump would come out and he would, you know, defend domestic and sexual abusers, as long as they're white men. Well, I think the thing you have to remember, and so you'd not be surprised is that white people, particularly white Republicans, are inherently trash. And this is what they will do. They will defend abusers. They will defend, they will defend rapists. They will defend white supremacists because inherently they appreciate all those things. And that is pretty much how they got power of, over this country with rape, with abuse, with death, with slavery. They, all they're doing is being themselves. None of this stuff surprises me. I just can't wait till we can flush this garbage down the toilet. Well, speaking about Me Too and harassment, so it came out that Facebook has a rather interesting policy to prevent sexual harassment at work. So apparently, Don't hire at, women. No, it's not that. Apparently at Facebook, you can only ask your coworker on a date 
once. And if that person rejects it, you cannot ask that person out on another date. And for the record, things like I'm busy or I'm, hold on, let me get the other one. I can't that night, those all count as no. So if your coworker says, Look, I can't go out Tuesday. You cannot ask them out on Wednesday See, or Thursday. Well, hold on. But like here's the, the thing. Tool. No, no I, I think it goes a little get, too far. Hold on, Alyssa, what do you think? I think it goes a little too far. Like, okay, fine. I get it. If you ask somebody out, like, hey, do you want to go out with me on a date? They're like, no, not interested. Then I agree. You shouldn't necessarily be asking them again because some people will say it's persistence, but you know, other people will say it's harassment. If somebody tells you they're not interested, that they're not interested. But what I don't understand is this like if somebody says, I'm busy Tuesday because like <laughs> I'm busy Tuesday doesn't mean I don't want to go out on a date with you. It means I'm busy Tuesday, so I can't go out with you that day. What should stop me from saying, okay, you want to go out Wednesday then? No, but, no. But, but, but here's why. And you need to understand. When you pull up from 40 and the shot misses, that usually means the buzzer has sounded. You walk off the court. Period. So if you pull up from 40 and she goes, sorry, you don't get a do-over. It is what it is because if she really wants to see you, she'll go on busy Tuesday but not Sunday. Mm. And you know what that is? That's called when it hits the backboard, bounces on a rim, look like it's about to fall off but then falls in. So the Allen Houston pull But you're up drawing a very, a very tight distinction between mine, which is not that far apart, which is you're just saying, well, she also has to add – I'm I'm not busy Tuesday, but I'm around another night. But yeah. if she doesn't say that, then yeah, I would get that because that seems like a no. Yeah. I'm I'm busy Tuesday and I'm not around another night because I'm not interested in you. One time I asked a girl out on a date in college and she was like, I'm busy that day. I was like, What about the next day? She goes, I'm dead. <laughs> well that's look, pretty much I- I'll say this. I understand um I understand why Facebook is doing this. They want to cover themselves legally and make sure that if there is any incidents of sexual harassment, that that victim can say this was violated and then they can terminate the harasser however i actually disagree with this policy because statistics show that there are a lot of workplace romances that lead to marriage a lot of people hook up and you know they develop relationships a lot of workplace romances lead to sexual harassment too no they do but here's the thing i think that the lines are so blurry here like Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like if i didn't what if i don't know you're pursuing me romantically and i'm like oh no i literally am washing my hair that night but in like your mind like like what? No, I'm saying if a guy is wait, intentionally wait, asking is me out, but they don't make it that clear, and I think it's something platonic, and I'm like, oh no, I'm literally busy. That person can't ask me out again. You know, I hear you, but like we have more important news to talk about, like whether Richard Pryor was a top or oh a bottom. Why are we not? To- Listen, guys, Marlon Brando had sex with Richard Pryor, James Baldwin, and some other. Oh, Marvin Gaye. And These are the Gaye. Negro legends of the '60s and '70s, and they were getting blown out by. By Marlon Brando, he was getting the the butt the butt Donnie, the Bunani. Is that what you call it? What? Booty and Punani. Stanley, Bunani. okay, so you're making stuff up again. Okay, so Quincy <laughs> is Jones. Is that a new term? Busting that Bunani wide open. Quincy Jones <laughs> is like 84 years old, and he does not give up anything. So he's just been telling it all about what's been going down in the 70s and 80s. He also said that if you um sniffed enough cocaine, you would have sex with anything or anybody, including a mailbox. Well, and I you mean, yeah, it was the 80s. <laughs> yeah, so he's basically saying what went down in the 80s. Did you see, Sam- the, did you see like, what's that famous movie, um, Greed is Good? Uh, it's like the... 
movie before Wolf of Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Of course, the name of the movie is escaping me right now. But yeah, it was like all about, you know, everybody was like doing cocaine and, you know, Ronald Reagan, the economy was rolling right along, supposedly, Um, you know, so you might just do a lot of cocaine and have sex with everybody. But I'm going to divert for two seconds, because speaking of the economy and Wall Street, you've seen Wall Street has like completely dropped off this week. Um, And people are like really concerned. And of course, Donald Trump has like touted during the State of the Union that Wall Street and the stock market was just doing so well and it was huge. Um, And now we have seen a massive sell off coming over the past three days, which essentially is a correction because of the tax cut law. The economy is speed rolling a little too fast. And to prevent inflation, the the feds have to raise interest rates. So So as much as Donald Trump likes to take credit for things that he has no involvement in, I hope that he takes blame as well. Like, is he taking the blame? Of course not. He's going to blame Obama. Like, yeah, it's definitely going to be Obama's fault. Like, I just can't win him. Oh, they already blamed Obama the other day, actually. (laughs) Of course they did. So they take the credit, but they push the blame. Yo, I haven't seen a collapse this bad since the last year's Super Bowl, Falcons, <laughs> Patriots. This, like, this, <laughs> this, the Dow Jones, whatever you call it, is classing. But you know what? Why do we keep trying to rate the economy based on how much money rich people are making or how much they're trading? Because 50% of the people in this country do not own a single stock. So if the, the stocks are doing poorly, I don't care. How much, are, how much is a working class person getting paid right now hourly? How much are tip wage workers getting paid? How are they doing? Can Laquan pay his rent and buy the new Dragon Ball Z game well, without going broke? I mean, I'll, uh, I'll agree and disagree in some ways. So yes, the stock market is not the economy and it does not tell you everything you need to know about the economy. And even when the stock market is doing very, very well, you know, we're still living in a time where income inequality is so great that there really is such a dis- disparity between the rich and the poor and the 99% of us really are only holding 1% of the wealth and the 1% really is only is holding 99% percent of the wealth. That is true. Um, But I will say there is, you know, Wall Street and Main Street are connected in some ways. And so if you work for a mom and pop in the middle of Iowa, then that is likely not going to be affected so much by Wall Street, although it could be. Um, But if you work for a bigger company like Amazon and the stocks of Amazon start falling Mm -hmm. um, and the shares start falling, which means the company is losing money, essentially, that may lead to, you know, decreasing pay for workers that could lead to the cutting of hours for workers that could lead to layoffs so there's definitely a connection between wall street and main street in certain circumstances you know where the price of a dollar never goes down the strip club all well, right hold yeah. on you know on how the, i know that how stanley you went to the strip club i did not go to the strip club i prayed for the strip club thank you very much well i'm glad you did that anyway guys so we're getting a lot of comments here on our facebook live feed uh case t says Fox News blamed Obama. I guess that's in reference to the fact that the Dow Jones on the stock market is plummeting and Fox News is blaming Obama. Danny Jella com- uh, chimed in saying Fox News is fake. Fake news. Agreed there. And Danny also said uh, in reference to the story about Facebook's workplace uh, um, policy, she says a lot of workplace romances lead to infidelity as well, which yeah. is very true. Everyone has a work wife or a work husband. If you yeah. don't, you're not you're not working right. Wait, yeah, but that w- doesn't mean you're. This doesn't mean it's infidelity. One additional comment before we go on break: We have Emilio Gironda who said Donald Trump has no idea what due process means, and. Uh, Emilio is probably right about that. You are absolutely right about that. On that note, we do have to take another quick break, but don't go anywhere. Keep those comments coming. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the FBI's attack on black activism right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Oh.
In my bank account, went to Vegas. Now my bank account is closed. Bow, yo. Well, yeah, you were you. having a really expensive dinner at the MGM Grand. Uh, That's MGM, your fault, Stanley. The MGM Ministry. Thank you very much. So you it were ministering lit. while yeah, eating much expensive that, how dinner. How much that cost you that yo, dinner? Three hundred dollars. That bill was something serious. <laughs> there was a porno conference happening. Oh uh, yes, I saw a lot of familiar faces. Going to the conference. I didn't know any of the stars over there. Shout out to Roxy Reynolds. Last time my friend was there, there was a marijuana conference going on about like legal industry um, for people who are getting involved in the legal industry. Because as you may or may not know, marijuana is actually legal in uh, Nevada. Right. Recreationally. Yeah. Oh, there's, I know. I know very well. <laughs> there's a lot to do in Nevada. We could just leave it like that. And Stanley did it all and spent it all, apparently. I mean, I didn't spend it all. Yeah. Well, you know what you can do in Nevada? You can be black and you can shoot guns. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without the, carry? Without the government coming after you, which is going to play into what we're going to be talking about in just a maybe, second. Maybe not. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't say the government won't come after you because they definitely will. And I'm about 17% sure that I'm being followed or watched by the FBI already because of things that I say. So oh, I wouldn't wow. say that. But anyways, guys, we are going to stop playing games for just a little bit so I can tell you about something that happened a couple of years ago. Do you guys know who the Black Panthers are? Of of course you do, because you read books and you are not afraid of black people. Well, the Black Panthers had one young leader out of a small place called Chicago. And his name was Fred Hampton. He organized with the Young Patriots, which was a white group. He also organized with, with the um, Young Lords, which is an Afro-Latino, Latin-led organization. And he was leader of the Black Panther Party. Well, as you guys know, the U.S. government was very afraid of the Black Panther Party. And they were very afraid of Huey Newton. Why? Well, because he was building what Jesse Jackson and what did it co-opting call a rainbow coalition, a group of poor people who felt undermined and disrespected by the government and knew that something had to change in order to change the way the system is being right now. So he was working, like I said before, with a white-led group called the um, the Young Patriots. He also worked with the Appalachia Hillbillies. He was working with Latino Kings. And because of the power that he was building, a broader racial coalition of power and building black power in his community, one day, while he and his pregnant girlfriend were asleep in the bed, the police came to his house and shot into it over 25 times, killing Fred Hampton. They said that it was a shootout. Come to find out it wasn't. It was an assassination. Only one shot had been fired, and it was by one of the Black Panther bodyguards who was shot in the heart and reflectively pulled the trigger on his gun. It was an assassination attempt that was successful. The reason that this assassination attempt happened was because, like I said before, the U.S. government, Pro, the FBI, they were all afraid of the blackity black panthers. Well, things like that can never happen again because we have all learned our lesson, right? Wrong. Here's what is happening right now. On December 12, 2017, the FBI raided the home of the Huey Newton Gun Club founder and black gun ownership enthusiast Rakem Balogan, taking two of his guns and his book, Negroes with Guns. I own that book, FBI, so come see me. Actually, don't come see me. <laughs> now, this is not going to cover me for free for too long. Anyways... They took him and they said it was because, you know, he had these two guns and he, he wasn't supposed to have them because he had pled guilty to a domestic violence misdemeanor two years before. People in this community are saying that actually that's a lie and the FBI had been watching him and following him for months at a time, even showing up to two states he was supposed to visit to question people in the community if they knew who he was and what he was doing. They were also talking about his Facebook post in which he laughed at the cops who were shot in Houston by the deranged person after another recent police shooting of an innocent unarmed black person he was very encouraging to people black people particularly to get guns and considered it a civil rights 
issue. And he, like I said before, had his Huey Newton gun club and talked enthusiastically about black men owning guns, saying that if we had guns and we all had our guns, we'd step up real fast and stop police from inciting violence on people of color. So now... This seems a little strange because why would the FBI be going out to a black person who has really done nothing but talk spicy on Facebook and had two guns he shouldn't have, but that's like 90% of white people. They had 10 guns they shouldn't have. Why would they go after him? Well, in November of 2017, we find out that the FBI had a new identification for black activists, and it is called the Black Identity Extremists. And who are these radical, savage Negroes? Well, these angry Negroes with Hennessy on their lips and guns in their hands, they are black activists that are so upset with the blackity, black hating cops that go out there and shoot their drug-smoking, gang-toting Negro neighbors. And they're so mad about being held accountable and having to get jobs that they got to go get them cop and shoot them. And who are they watching? Nonviolent organizations like Black Lives Matter, NAACP, Black Lives Matter NYC, The Color Lines, Black Youth Project. So pretty much every single black organization that has not been violent and has said, do not be violent. Justice League, harmless Negroes who want racial justice. They are watching these people because obviously they fear them and after coming out with this report a couple of months ago they've taken it from book reports done by white supremacists with small penises and inferiority complexes to actually arresting black folk and that leaves us here today to have the conversation about what the hell is going on because we have to unpack the B.I.E.s. And now before we do anything, I do have my good lawyer over here, Alyssa, and I want her to help me understand how the hell this is something that could legally happen. How that he was arrested in December, he is still in prison now. Well, I mean, do you want me to answer that question specifically? How yes. he could be? Okay, so he could be arrested in December and still be in prison now because he is awaiting trial. Um, he's obviously not pleading guilty. He's fighting the charges. And so when you're fighting the charges, um, you know, the next thing that happens is there's a bail or a bond hearing, um, at which point the government can choose to grant you bail uh, through a, a bail hearing. A, and you can post either money or property or something to ensure that you're going to come back to court. Um, or the government can determine that they're not going to give you bail and they could remand you, at which point uh, you are basically sitting in jail awaiting trial, uh, fighting the charges from the inside. Or, on the other hand, you could be granted a bail package but nonetheless not be able to make bail because the bail package that you are granted is too expensive, um, although that usually doesn't happen in federal court. Generally, in federal court, they give you a bail package you can afford. It's not like state court. There's some differences there. Um, so my thoughts is, more likely than not, and I don't know specifically that he's been remanded, which is why he is currently in. Um, but, you know, did you want me to answer the bigger question yeah. now, or do you want me to hold off on that? Let's get to the bigger um, question so, now. the bigger question about him being taken into custody uh, in general is sort of a twofold response, which is on one hand, People who have domestic violence convictions are not allowed to own guns. That is one of the rules that we have in this country. Now, there are some waivers that are granted in some ways that even if you do have a misdemeanor or domestic violence conviction, you can apply to get your gun rights back. Uh, but generally speaking, you can't own a gun. So the initial reason why they arrested him, or at least they claim why they arrested him, is for an illegal gun charge, meaning that he is somebody who is not allowed to own a gun and he owns a gun. And 
And when you are in that position, you can face up to 10 years in prison. However, we then find out that the real impetus for his arrest is that they are classifying him as somebody who has uh, basically is a danger to law enforcement. And that's what this distinction of BIE is. Uh, And so they put this label on him based on some Facebook and social media posts that he had made where he talks about racial justice. And that's where things get sort of fuzzy because, you know, on the gun charge alone, from what I can tell, assuming that everything that I've heard is correct, that he's legally not allowed to own a gun and he owns a gun, then there may be some basis there for his arrest. But what's totally and completely bogus is this classification as BIE. And the reason for that is there is obviously a fine line when it comes to actually making threats against law enforcement and your First Amendment right. And so if you are explicitly saying things that are really and actually threatening to law enforcement um, and makes it seem as though you are really going to engage in violence or you're inciting violence towards law enforcement, that, of course, is illegal. But if you are just saying things like, F the popo or, you know, like, I don't like cops or, you know, even if you're not saying anything specifically about cops, you're saying things like Black Lives Matter and we need to have racial justice. That, of course, is well within your First Amendment rights. Um, but we know historically, and we're going to get into this in, a, in just a little while, that the government has always cracked down on these types of activists um, who are pushing these types of agendas. And they have done that by claiming that they are violent, even in situations where they are not. So just one more quick, quick question, if you can. Well, quick answer, if you can. So, yeah, they did some ground to arrest them because of the guns that he had. Allegedly. Allegedly. Would that be something the FBI would need to do? Because it was it was the FBI that raided his house and arrested him. Well, good question. And that could be both the state or the federal government. There is both state and federal gun laws that prevent people with uh, convictions for domestic violence from owning guns. Uh, and so in that situation, normally it would be the state that would crack down on something like that. That is not something that, generally speaking, the FBI would get involved with. However, what we've seen on a general whole uh, is that the federal government has been stepping in to do prosecutions against people who are not supposed to be owning guns because under federal law, which is section 922G, you can get a much stricter penalty and go to prison for much longer for being a felon in possession of a weapon or uh, somebody who's a domestic violence conviction uh, in possession of a weapon than you can under state law. And so the federal government has been going after those people to get them off the streets and put them in jail for longer because they say, you know, guns are a real problem. But, of course, you know, that sort of has an irony to itself because Republicans are constantly saying that guns aren't the problem. My real thoughts is what's going on really here is the FBI is involved because of his activism, his black activism. And that's why I want to loop you in, Stephen, because as a journalist, you're, like you are someone who communicates with these people a lot. Um, you get you have a chance to spotlight them. Have you heard like any talks from people in the movement saying that they feel like they've been watched? They've been being, they've been being targeted by like law enforcement officials or like, you know, like government entities? Well, actually, that's not my beat um, at Black Enterprise. We focus on black businesses and entrepreneurs. But I will say this about like, like the whole the whole thing. Like, let's give you know break great breakdown, and so did you, Stanley. I think it's it's scary. And I think that the reason why this scary um, and the reason why this matters is because it's basically like the FBI has a legitimate reason, per se, to racially profile people. If we think about how many white militia groups own guns and like rave their guns at these rallies and talk about overthrowing the government. I mean, I mean, I know for a fact that they are also like under surveillance and stuff like that. But there's definitely some implicit bias in how the FBI is going about targeting 
targeting black people um, as opposed to white people. And like the leverage there is a complete, there's a really big difference. I mean, look, we can see this very clearly when it comes to the Bundys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in Bundy two ranch. situations. Um, number one was the ranch. They were wielding guns, walking around, telling the feds, you know, which was uh, the um, Bureau of Land Management, BLM. Funny enough, that also is Black Lives Matter, um, you know, to get off their land and refusing to yield and refusing to pay the taxes. And and the whole Bundy Ranch standoff basically ended with the government leaving. And there was charges brought that basically ended in people getting acquitted. Right. And then there was the, the refuge up in Washington where they literally were trespassing with guns on a federal land saying that they were not going to leave and trashing the place. And yet they all got acquitted, um, right. uh, you know, so. Yeah. It's like there clearly is a double standard when it when the government when it comes to black activism versus uh, white supremacists, um, people who are white that commit crimes and are anti-government types. Um, We see this over and over and over again. So, guys, if you have a question, comment or curse word, no curse words, give us a call at 212-650-6903. Again, that's 212-650-6903. If you're on Facebook Live, what's going on, Chrissy? What's going on, Vidal? Make sure you leave a comment and we will get to it as soon as possible. Selena, you were saying something. Yeah, no, I just want to say that that just exemplifies the dangers of implicit bias in law enforcement and how they're basically taking action to criminalize speech that is legal and that is protected under the First Amendment because he is black. And I just wanted to add that days before Christopher Daniels, a.k.a. Rakim, mm-hmm. Rakim right? Yeah. Um, before he was arrested, he actually released a video on YouTube talking about how black activists are un- are basically jeopardizing uh putting their lives are in jeopardy because if you speak out at rallies and you talk about how you're pro-gun even in open carry state like texas um you know you may have the feds coming and knocking at your door and literally that is what happened while he was sleeping It was like 5 a.m in the morning he was there with his son and they took him out of that house in only his underwear and he has been in jail ever since right because apparently you know guns are just for white people and stuff that's true i mean like basically so when we come back, the question we'll be asking is about Pro. Have we seen this before? But until then, we're going on a quick break. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. I'm drinking <laughs> Hennessy. Yo, we drank so much Henny in Vegas. Oh I my thought you God. guys were praying. Which yes, yes, we it? did. We did. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you were just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz on the PC Ones and Twos. I am also joined by Selena Hill with the flexing baby hair and Alyssa Fuchs with the snap back pointed back and the taps flacked. I don't know what that last part meant, but it sounded cool. And we are talking about black. It's like one of those Cardi B rhymes. It doesn't <laughs> have to make sense. You guys are not going to continue to hate on Barty. Not in front Barty, of me. Not in Barty my in the presence. car with, Sardi, with sardines. <laughs> All right, guys. We are talking about black identity extremists in case you do not know a young man was arrested by the fbi his name was rakem balong at least that's his that's his activist name he was arrested for allegedly having guns that he shouldn't have because he had a domestic violence misdemeanor but people in the community are saying he was arrested because of his enthusiasm for guns and having black people own guns and because this is a really important topic we do have a caller on a line who would like to let his voice be heard so jay let your voice be heard. It's Young Hove. Yes, good morning. Um, good morning. Yes, my guys, I was telling the brothers first time here on the show, and it's very informative and enlightening. It's just excellent. And I covered a lot of bases and touching bases on things that definitely are not heard enough and very rarely, like, you know, the Bundys and all. They tie things together. And we're just happy to hear the sister in there. I don't know if she's an attorney or she actually... Um, 
and if they didn't say she was an attorney. I know you can graduate from law school and still not be an attorney, you know, so but in any case she was quite um quite cogent and when she delivered and answered and just gave out information, it's just like excellent. So I'm just saying y'all just keep going. I'm mean, just jot down your information and stuff like that. But I did want to comment on the Coatel Pro and things that happened that with Fred Hampton and all that and even with the move out of Philadelphia and stuff like that. So it's still going on and the long story short is um, I'm glad you brought this um, um, this issue to light. I had not known. I wasn't aware of it. But also, I want to just think of and just be mindful of solutions, you know, especially since the sister's attorney or things like that. What is, and so we could be also, like, present problems and information, but you know, that happens out there a lot in social media stuff. But very rarely do we have solutions of how we can get together and come together. And with social media, we see the power of it with the, the different um, Me Too movements and Black Lives Matter and even other, the, um, all these movements and things of the Women's March and stuff, how it can come together and people can get behind a cause. And our power is in the people and in the pockets, the purses. That's where our power really lies. And um, so I just want, and, and also, and just being informed. So I'm just saying, like, also just trying to think of what, uh, or listen for, rather, what you guys think, or at the end, or with, if you really want to address it, a solution of what could be done to help this single individual so that people like him are not just left out there alone. And then they say, you know, they, they keep our mind, well, yeah, we'll keep our mouth shut because when we do step out, if we don't have a real strong following and backing, we're just a lone person. Jay, thank you so much for that. Appreciate I, it. We do have some solutions we want to get to at the end, which we're getting very close to. So, I, you know, I got to begin Keep listening. That. Um, keep listening. That's one and two. Hire Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford her if you yeah, can. Yeah, me neither, man. I can't Shoot. afford her. I do can't afford for that. But listen, um, Jay, thank you so much for calling. What always happens when we get new callers, and that's why we want to make sure we give you every piece of this conversation. Um, and the next piece is, you know, have we really seen this before? Because Cointel Pro did have a program when they were looking at black activists. They were following them. They were they were like putting plants in their groups. And this is not something that is old. It was happening as recently as 2007 with the NYPD putting people in I was just about to say it it, it doesn't just happen on the FBI level. It happens on the local level as well with local law enforcement. Um, I mean, right now, there's civil rights attorneys, colleagues of mine that are fighting uh, the NYPD in court because the NYPD is giving what's known as the Glomar response, which is they can't confirm or deny whether certain information exists. Um, But, you know, to you know, just get into this question of whether we've seen this before. Yes, we have, because apparently, you know, the government doesn't like when black people assert their rights or when they want to organize together to demand justice and social change. Um, you know, you see this going back to the 1960s. You see this even before that. Go all the way back to slavery in this country and the Nat Turner Rebellion and when black slaves tried to organize against white slave owners and they were put down immediately by, um, you know, white people in power. And then you look at that through Reconstruction, and you look at that through the civil rights movement, there has almost always been a time in this country where whenever black people and their allies tried to organize around an issue, the government would start spying on them. You are telling no lies, Alyssa. I wish you could say it louder for the people in the back. But guys, we are pretty much out of time. I want to give folks a chance to get their, their final thoughts. I want to start with Selena. Um, yeah, so... 
um, there's a lot to say here. I would say that um, if we see what's happening here, um, it does point to a larger issue about black activism being under attack in general. And the fact that we definitely need to fight back. Like, I mean, there's different things. And I know Jay called in asking for a solution. Um, we've seen this play out in history before. You know, Stanley mentioned Fred Ham um, Hampton, who was killed. Uh, we talked about how Jay Edgar Hoover, he was the person who actually uh, started Quintel Pro and used that to crack down on civil rights, uh, used that to investigate, um, illegally spy on leaders like Dr. Martin Luther King and it's just happening again and I think that this is something that is not unexpected especially because we're under an administration that supports that uh, overtly supports white supremacy in a lot of different forms uh, and we've seen that come out from the top from President uh, Donald Trump who said things um, to that nature so I mean surveillance is definitely an issue and I think that when we were um it's a few years ago when we were talking about how the Muslims uh, were being surveilled in here in New York City, whether they were at school, they were in mosque. Um, and that was under the Bloomberg administration. And it's like the government keeps using these fair tactics to uh, basically invade on our civil rights, on the fact that we have um, a right to privacy, a right to free speech. But it keeps happening over and over again. Right. I mean, listen, that is what it comes down to is whenever people want to organize about a certain issue, speak out against an injustice, the government starts looking into them. And that is the very nature of power. People in power want to keep power. But it also speaks to the fact that, you know, we're not a democracy when that happens. That's what authoritarian governments do. Authoritarian governments spy on their people. They quell their speech. They quell their ability to organize around certain issues. Now, that is the exact opposite of what we are supposed to be promised in America. Um, but as we know, America was never actually built on justice because all of that is a lie. Um, but in terms of actual solutions, one one of the things I think is the most important solution is to continue to organize, is to not be um, you know pushed back into a corner by the government and to continue to organize around important issues regardless of whether or not we think the government is spying on us. We obviously have to find other ways to communicate. Like, for example, using Signal, which is an app that's encrypted that lets you talk to people. Some people have said, well, you know, if you're not saying anything illegal, then why do you need to use an app like that? Because you know what? It's none of the government's business what you're saying. That's why. Um, and also because you don't determine when the government decides what you're saying is illegal or not. The government determines that. So I think the one solution is to continue to organize and fight in the face of this. Imagine if Martin Luther King would have said, hey guys, let's give up when he was imprisoned <laughs> in, in Alabama. No, of course not. He never said let's give up. Martin Luther King kept fighting till the very end, till the day he was assassinated. And another thing that we have to do is change the narrative around this label of black identity extremists and be like, you know what, just because somebody, you know, might have a gun conviction or something, just because somebody speaks out against injustices doesn't make them some kind of quote-unquote extremist uh, um, that is actually going to go out there and engage in violence towards police or towards civilians. You want to talk about engaging in violence towards police, then yeah, let's talk about what happened at Bundy Ranch, because they were actually wielding guns going out in the street and protesting injustices and waving banners and chanting and organizing around important issues um, like many of us do and myself and Stanley and Selena and get out there and you know talking about these issues that 
is not something that should be criminalized because it's not criminal. It's well within our First Amendment rights. And so we, you know, and, and, and finally, the last thing we can do is if you are arrested for engaging in this behavior and you didn't commit any crimes, then it is extremely important that, you call know, her. you not just call me, but get a civil rights attorney and sue the government because there's so much change that is made through litigation. And yes, there's a lot of change made in the streets, but there's change made in the courtroom as well. And those things have to work together and coincide with one another. Yeah, I just want, you know, when Alyssa touched on just, like, the label, the notion that there are people called black identity extremists, like, that term in itself is nonsense. I mean, when we think about how many white men are terrorists, participate in terrorist groups like the KKK, or commit these horrendous acts across the country uh, with ma- massacres. Like you mean the, start- the very fine people? Right, no, no. Who I'm came to about- Charlottesville? Exactly, and I'm talking about what even happened in Las Vegas, or what happened in Sandy Hook. Like, you have white men who are always, like, typecasted as being having a mental illness but then you have black people who are just simply speaking out against police violence and they're saying i mean they may use terms like well hold on and i I did want to bring up this point because some people were saying that oh um like christopher daniels aka rakam he used terms like okay um like kill pigs you know i'm paraphrasing here but he would like um he was a part of chants that were saying like you know um no 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 pig is good unless it's a dead pig etc etc and the fact that he did have guns some people were saying that type of rhetoric would lead the fbi to investigate anybody whether you're white or black so i did hear some people saying that on the other side i i disagree with that we could you picture for a second close your eyes and picture a bunch of angry black men walking through charlottesville (laughs) carrying torches at a midnight rally like and and actually being able to proceed oh wait you can't close your eyes and picture that because as selena said that wouldn't happen the police would have broken that up right away so you know i have a hard time believing this narrative because white people say anti-government things all the time time they were walking around hanging pictures of obama in a noose for two-thirds of obama's presidency if not the entire thing and yet nobody was actually uh you know criminalized for that so you know there there's clearly a double standard at play and there's a big difference between saying you know no pig is a good pig or whatever they were posting on facebook and actually threatening and saying i'm gonna go down to this place at this time in this location and and shoot somebody who's in law enforcement those are different things i wanted to give you guys a chance to, to kind of fight it out um and I want to push back just kindly on what you said, Alyssa, about, you know, the double standard. There's no double standard in the way that we treat justice and threats. It's the American way to criminalize blackness and to forgive whiteness. And I just want to leave you guys with these final thoughts. Everything Alyssa said was right. You had to continue to fight. But let me be very clear with you. Protect your neck. Use apps sure. that help to encrypt your conversations when you're having meetings. Unless you absolutely need electronics there, take them out. Do not have them there. If you have sensitive information, believe it or not, do not put it in an email. Tell this person you need to meet them in person, and it's better off to have it in notes. Protect yourself. Well, listen. Shut your Alexa off when you're at a meeting. Yeah. It's recording you. It's like you're bugging yourself. Yeah, don't have Siri on automatically. Really, protect yourself because these white folk are dedicated and they are inspired to do every single thing they can to destroy the black establishment. Because if you haven't noticed, you are your problem. So what you need to start doing is understanding that you are a problem and think about and ask yourself the question, how does it feel to be a problem? This institution was not made for us. The people in charge of it do not care for us. They will very happily come into our homes and shoot 50 some odd bullets, killing you, 
your loved ones, and your friends, and then they'll say you attack them. Don't believe me? Check the history books. With that being said, I'm going to throw it to Alyssa to close it out. I mean, Selena, sorry. Um, yeah, so you guys are the same height, you know. Actually, we're not even the same height. But thank you so much, guys, for listening. We want to thank everyone who tuned in and chimed in via Facebook as well as calling in. We appreciate that comment, Jay. And, of course, if you want to continue to support Let Your Voice Be Heard, the best way to do that is to actually subscribe to us on our Patreon account. That's patreon.com slash beheardradio. If you can support us there with some money, some dollars, then we can continue to support your interests and let your voice be heard on the issues that matter to you and our communities. On that note, we also want to just thank everyone for tuning in, listening, and make sure you subscribe to us on all podcast channels. That's iHeartRadio, that's SoundCloud, that's <laughs> iTunes, that's Stitcher, and all the other good stuff, guys. Next Happy up Sunday. Next is Greg the Underdog Show. Yeah.